1: Hello and welcome to Baseball BarbaCast, the only baseball podcast in the world thinking about globe life, globe liberty, and the pursuit of globe happiness. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and those are our unalienable rights. Uh, I'm excited to hear your, your globe life
0: field review. I know you did tweet um, a, some, some positivity, but I'm excited to dig into that. Jake the World Series starts tonight. It's Friday. It's October 27th. The Arizona Diamondbacks are actually going to be playing in the World Series against the Texas Rangers. Huh. So, I don't know. I know you were at the workout day yesterday, but like that that was not like some sort of distraction like those are the teams that are going to be in the World yeah. Series.
1: I hope you know. And it's like the Super Bowl of baseball, Jordan.
0: It's like it's just like that. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have to wait, you know, two whole weeks. Uh, for for this World Series to begin, just two whole days after both LCSs win seven games, and tonight Zach Gallen will take on nasty Nate Ivaldi in Game One at Globe Life Field. Uh, first of all, Jake, as we approach this final series of the twenty twenty three season, how are you? How are you, my friend? I understand that you did actually get some sleep last night. I know that's been at a minimum recently for you due to some travel and some unlucky. Uh, you know, flight delays and all kinds of nonsense. Of course, we've yeah. had a lot of late night writing for
1: both of us. Uh, how, how are you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing okay. Caught a Z or two. Um, the schedule of covering the postseason involves a lot of late nights and then sleeping in. However, I don't think that there are many other people that are doing early morning podcasts <laughs> in addition to that. And that <laughs> yes. might be the the reason for my general... Mm-hmm. exhaustion now it's mm-hmm. hard to complain when ken rosenthal is walking out here and doing sideline every day and then somehow finding time to write on the athletic he is a machine <laughs> i i gained so much respect for that let, let alone during...
0: talk to all the people ken rosenthal's yeah. probably talking to all the it's time incredible he's a yeah.
1: he's a force a machine nice. um, but i'm doing good um my spirits are are high uh and hopefully the texas rangers can take them higher jordan how are you doing
0: <laughs> i'm good uh, yeah, how much creed did you hear yesterday as we transition to your uh, Globe Life field review before we get into sort of our big picture World Series thoughts? If you haven't listened to our show we did yesterday, Thursday, that was kind of the nitty gritty position by position, how we're kind of feeling, you know, tail of the tape between these two teams. We didn't actually offer our predictions for the series. I guess we'll do that at the end of this episode, but this is going to be a bit a little bit more narrative focused. Some yeah. of the individual storylines that we're, that we're most intrigued by. But before we get to that, did you hear any creed uh, yesterday, Thursday? Did you you how 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 was your experience there in the ballpark?
1: I did not hear any creed coming from the ballpark speakers. Um, however, from my own personal headphones.
0: <laughs> That's true. You you were opting into it. It was not uh forced upon you by the, the Globe Life speakers. Okay. My arms were wide open. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And it seems that you you're, you're with, with arms wide open, you embraced this weird-looking baseball stadium, one of the newest ones, I guess the Is it newer than Atlanta? One of the newest ones that we have. Um, And from the outside, literally from the outside, and as an outsider who's only seen it on TV, I have some perception of it. But it does seem like you had a positive experience once you got inside. And, and a lot of people respond to you were like, yeah, like I actually kind of like this ballpark. So give us the reaction. I know your, your Chase Field experience was certainly not as, as favorable, but I think we can get into why that might have been. So what about, what about Global Life Field? Do you like it? How, how we feel? I know you haven't seen a game there yet, but what, what do you think?
1: Surprisingly liked it. It is a good lesson about how to treat people, Jordan. Mm. From the outside, mm. horrendously ugly. Really? Undeniably. I don't think anybody is defending that. Like, uglier from the outside than I could have imagined. It is made worse by the fact that the old ballpark, which looks nice from the outside, is just still standing next door as a testament to what stadiums can look like. They don't need to look like Costco's or grills or warehouses from the outside. Um, However, you get to know the stadium a little bit. You get in on the inside. And it's nice. It is a much brighter version of Chase Field. And that is warping my opinion of it, considering I just went to Chase. It is a newer, updated, um, colder version of Chase Field. And I liked it quite a bit. It feels very big and not in an overwhelming way. It feels spacious. doesn't feel cramped like some dome stadiums do. And I, I liked it.
0: I would also imagine, again, if we are contrasting with Chase Field, you'd sort of mentioned that Chase Field sort of felt outdated. And I would imagine yeah. that going from that, not that Chasefield Field is 100 years old, but again, it's kind of in that weird sweet spot or I guess the opposite of a sweet spot where it's like too old to feel fresh but not old enough to f- have charm. And that's kind of where that stadium falls, whereas Texas is as fresh as, fresh as can be. It's brand spanking new and everything feels very, I'm sure, clean and, and you yeah. know, brand new and all that stuff. I'm sure that helps as well. Now, a lot of talk about the press box being really high up. It seemed like the picture you tweeted was not from that angle, but are you, will you be sitting up there for the game or are you going to be in the ox box? What's the situation?
1: I think I'll be in the main press box, but it is next to the ox box. Oh, okay. The press box is incredibly high up. It is a very odd angle to watch the game. But that's my problem. I don't think that should be a referendum on the entire stadium oh, for those of course people. Not. Of course not. No, no one um, generally
0: cares. I just know that's a talking point yeah. for many of our fellow media folk. There are certain press boxes that are notoriously high up, and I understand yeah. this might be appropriately the, the highest. Not uh, can now you has take more meeting <laughs> than ever
1: before? <laughs> can you take the press box higher? Um, but as a whole, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I did. We'll see how it is with the game. It is ugly. It is an ugly-looking place from the outside, very practical, which I guess is the city uh, of Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So that is a whole
0: other—we don't need to review the entire uh, DFW Metroplex uh, on this episode. We're going to stick to the baseball here. And Jake, let us uh, begin to open this discussion uh, a little bit more broadly because, again, on yesterday's show, we talked about all— Pretty much all of the main main players and characters from strictly from a how good are they at baseball standpoint, but now we can open it up to something more. So, what are some as you were around yesterday? I don't know if we we, we can also just start with some of your takeaways from being around these two teams yesterday, if you want to start there. But then I just wanted to kind of open it up to to just the big picture thoughts, the storylines that you're most intrigued by. I wrote a piece uh, at Fox Sports today um, that we kind of deemed legacy rankings. I mean, the ranking is a little bit dramatic, but just think about eight people in this series who, if they win this World Series, like will have a very big impact on, I think, the way that we think about them, so we can get it to some of those people. But after the workout day, being around these two teams, what did you learn yesterday? What are you thinking about?
1: What did I learn yesterday? What am I thinking about? Mm. couple little snippets. Geraldo Perdomo was on the Ox. On the Ox? Okay. So, um, you know when the road team takes BP and the home team doesn't let them use the speakers – so they just have to use their own enormous boombox. So that was Geraldo Perdomo's responsibility yesterday, the 24-year-old shortstop, which I liked. I liked that he was the one who wheeled out uh, the boombox. You know, I've been around the Diamondbacks, I guess, for the last week and a half. Doing Rangers media was fun. Getting a sense for, like, I'm writing something about Nathaniel Lowe, Mm -hmm. and everyone really likes that guy and thinks he's a bit of an odd duck in a positive way. That was fun to kind of get a sense for that. But no major takeaways, to be honest with you, okay. um, from these two teams in the last day. Talked to Austin Hedges for a while, mm-hmm. who is just the Garrett Stubbs, but more serious for the Texas Rangers uh, mm-hmm. as the catcher with there for the for, for solely the Wibes. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, no, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing too crazy, Jordan. All right. So then uh, regardless
0: of, of your experience yesterday, uh, who are some people that you are thinking about the most? I mean, again, what I wrote on Fox today, I – I think that the the manager contrast here is is a fascinating one. You know, Bruce Bochy has nothing to prove. He was already an all-time great when he retired after 2019. And for him to come back and even make it to this point in his first year has elevated him or has the potential to elevate him to an even higher circle, trying to become just the sixth manager ever to win four World Series. He is, I think, the only manager ever to win the LCS with three different teams. That is certainly an achievement. And then also just like people already love the guy. So it's like everyone was rooting for him to, to accomplish this. And I think also when you contrast it with Dusty, when he took over the Astros, everybody loved Dusty, but not necessarily everybody was rooting for him to succeed with the Astros. It was very much like, I love Dusty, but oh, I don't want to see the Astros succeed in the wake of this scandal. Whereas with Bochi, I mean it's you know unimpeachable. I mean everybody is rooting for him to get this done. Not that he needs to, but he really has impressed me and it is it is it would be a hell of a story if he can get it done.
1: Baseball players think that they are very smart. They think that they are right all the time. And what that means is ball players often second guess decisions that their managers make. We don't see that on the public side a lot because when they're asked questions by the media, they play nice. And they say, oh, well, you know, that's just how it goes. But you ask guys off the record, like, there is doubt a lot. With The sense I got yesterday talking to the Rangers is that Bruce Bochi, it doesn't actually matter what decisions he's making, that he is the person pressing the buttons gives so much conviction to the players in the Rangers. Because yeah. what are you going to do, doubt the guy with three rings? Like, yeah, sometimes he'll make a weird, like, bringing in a role to Chapman in a big spot, it's like, well, it's, it's Bruce Bowes, Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously we've seen it work enough this
0: time. I do just love that it was exactly the way we felt for the first month watching the Rangers in the regular season where it was just like, there's some weird things about this team, but when they pan over and it's him instead of some of the other managers <laughs> they've had recently, I'm like, oh, like I'm chilling. like I feel good. And the, the players have essentially directly echoed that exact sentiment over and over and over, and so I, I do kind of love and have been impressed that it has gone exactly as you could
1: have possibly hoped. On the other side, Tori Lovello, who, by the way, you know Tori is short for Salvatore? Yes, we've not talked about that enough. I, I did. I
0: learned that, I think, at some point during this regular season.
1: Yeah, I just won't call him Sal. That's just, <laughs> I think that's great. Um, his tact with the Diamondbacks this October is very impressive. He has gotten this team to believe in itself, right? Now, every time that they win another game, they believe in themselves more, and I could get them to do that believing if if they kept beating the Phillies and the Dodgers or <laughs> sure, sure, sure. but when it, it feels to me like he shows up every day with another piece of fake bulletin board material and gets his boys riled up and it works every time, Tory Lovello is the perfect manager for this Diamondbacks team. Yeah,
0: and but let's remember, it was as recently as August that people were like, "He's not the guy." Like when they were collapsing right after the deadline. Because remember, he was already a guy that managed a team that lost 110 games. This is a guy who, in his first year in 2017, wins NL Manager of the Year because they had a bounce back after losing 93 games. They win 93. They go to the playoffs in 2017. And then since then, he's just kind of been floating around mediocrity. And generally, those are the kinds of managers that get phased out, especially when you either lose 100 games or you have a situation like this season where you totally collapse. But I think what has been made clear in the reporting around everything about the kind of the higher levels of this organization, Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello are as tight as can be. These are guys that worked together back uh, to their days with Boston, and that made a huge difference. That like Hazen was not going to turn on Tori at any point, no matter what, no what the season, and that has clearly paid off. I think to your point, it's a combination of the motivation – that he's clearly able to, everyone loves playing for him, whatever. And I think he's also like generally pressed the right buttons. I mean, managing this bullpen in multiple bullpen games has been really impressive. Of course, the players have had to execute, but that combined with being willing to shake up the lineup when the players are kind of telling you that you should has also been impressive. And it's just worked to this degree. And ultimately, any underdog story of this level is going to be largely attributed to the manager. And I think he's earned that. And if they can complete it, it will be a legendary manager performance like that is undeniable. I mean, it already is. But if, if they actually pull this off, he will be as secure as can be for a long time.
1: And Torrey's gotten a lot of credit for his bullpen management as he should. But it's a great reminder that a manager's bullpen management is only as good as the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Right. And every button that he's pressed in the later innings has been spectacular. These guys have not biffed it once. Right? The the Thompson I guess Thompson yeeted that one ball to the backstop in Game Three against the Phillies, but besides that, these guys have been outrageously good, and I think that is a huge part of understanding the World Series here.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's also why I one of the guys I highlighted in my piece for Fox is Brent Strom. I don't know how much you've gotten to talk to people about him. I remember talking, interviewing Zach Gallon at the beginning of the 2022 se- season about him working with him because that was just at the very early stages of Brent Strom's you know tenure with the D-backs. I mean, the dude's 75. He's been the oldest manager or been the oldest pitching coach in baseball, I think, six years running now, and he's also clearly so in charge of all of the pitching decisions. Which maybe, duh, maybe you could say that about all pitching coaches, but. Whenever they show him on TV in the dugout, like, or whenever there's like a moment where it's like, oh, are they going to take the starter out here? Or, oh, are they going to, like, are they going to decide to pitch to him here? It's always very clear that Strom is in full control. And that is both impressive and also, I think, speaks to how much trust they have in him. And the reason why everybody loves him so much is because he's 75 and he's able to communicate in a way that, is effective with modern pitchers while also being able to, in the way that I'm sure Dusty Baker can, and I'm sure Bochy to some degree be like, Hey, here's an experience I had in the sixties that actually relates to 2023. And that is a valuable thing. If you are able to combine it,
1: he is older Brentstrom than 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different, uh, franchises. <laughs> okay. That's how I was like, where what are we going for
0: here? Um, but yeah, he's uh he's an elderly gentleman and he is he is sharp as ever. And to see him get to win a world series, because remember, he leaves the Astros after they lose in 2021. And so he mm. only has that that 2017 title that he deserves a lot of credit for because if we remember, like so much of the pitching, you know, in Houston dynasties can be attributed to him. Nobody gives a shit because it's like, I'm oh, sorry, you cheated, and I hate all these hitters. But so much of their success, you think about guys like Charlie Morton, you think about guys like Dallas Keichel and McCullers and all these guys, um, not to mention what Garrett Cole, you know, kind of became when he went there, all these things he had a huge part of. And now it's like to see him do it with this group of pitchers is honestly even more fun and, and more exciting. So Strom is certainly someone else uh, I'm thinking about.
1: Um, Speaking of the 2017 and 2020 World Series, do you remember the quote I had in a Corey Seager feature I wrote earlier this year?
0: From uh, someone? I, I mean, I remember that it was a good feature, but uh, help me out.
1: What was it? Quote, he wants to win a real World Series and he wants to do it over and over and over and over again. Yes. So
0: that is another one. Uh, Corey Seager is in an interesting spot here. I think when we think about Corey Seager in the postseason, we think about 2020, obviously, because it's one of the great runs we've ever seen. We think about how that was in Globe Life Field, where he now calls his home ball park and will for the next decade. But let's also remember that Corey Seager was in the postseason a lot with the Dodgers beyond 2020 and was not that good. He was like fine at best lot of chances to get to the World Series. He missed a World Series because he was injured, right? Like, I think all of that kind of contributes to the fact that he's most closely associated to the Bubble World Series, which I still take fairly seriously. I still find very impressive in its own way, but I can also see where he's coming from, where he not only wants to win a real one, he's the guy now. He is indisputably the guy now, and it has been brought in to be the guy, and for him to be this good with the Rangers is like... Not just impressive, but it's encouraging. He's been able to to live up to, the, to all that hype and all that money.
1: Yeah. I'm very intrigued to see how he goes this week. He has been outstanding this go-round in October. I mean, his career October OPS is 837, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. But he was pretty bad before that 2020 World Series. So th- – It's not as if he has to prove anything, but it's clear that he has to prove something to himself. I'm excited to see if he smiles, if he wins the World Series. Speaking of guys who don't smile all that often, Mm. Corbin Carroll. Mm. Very serious young gent. Mm -hmm. Very cerebral guy. Very Mm -hmm. thoughtful. I asked him a question a couple days ago. I said, what is different about the postseason than you expected? I'm sure you had ideas about what this would be like and how does it compare? And he said, can you give me a minute or two to think about that? And I was like, yeah. And we just stood there in silence for like a minute while he just clearly thought it through. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting and unique, right? Most guys will just bullshit you if they have nothing to say.
0: This was also the guy who dropped the word proprioception uh, (laughs) in in a press conference recently, which is great um, and not a word that a lot of people know or would ever hear coming out of a baseball player's mouth. But yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, very intense, very thoughtful, very like, and I think what comes with that is not at all being overwhelmed or being too, you know, happy go lucky about anything you saw when he was struggling during the NLCS. He also had some quotes being like, I am not good enough right now. Like, this is not okay. And for a 23-year-old to recognize that and understand that he is the best player. You know, it's one thing for some of these other rookies, like Evan Carter, Josh Young. Like, those guys are great, very talented, important players for their team. It's not all about them. It's not all about them. It is all about Corbin Carroll. And and he's recognized that and he's
1: embraced that. He's the second best player on the field in this World Series. Corey Seeker's one. He's two. Like, he... He we can talk about Evan Carter and Josh Young and all these other rookies and even Gabby Moreno. Mm -hmm. He was like a five-win player this year. Like he's an MVP candidate right now, moving forward. He's 23. Mm -hmm. He is it right now. It's not what will he be in two years. He is it, one of the best players in baseball right now, full stop. Mm -hmm. And so he has expectations for himself. I think game seven was really important for him. I think I picked him to win World Series MVP. Mm -hmm. I think he's gonna go off. Now, Jordan. Are you aware who he is currently dating?
0: Uh no, I'm not actually. I please to tell me tell me more.
1: Corbin Carroll is dating 2022 Miss America. <laughs> really? I had no idea. I had no idea. Neither did a number of the Diamondbacks beat writers who I revealed this information to yesterday. Okay. I mean, are you is are you the only person that knows this? Is Corbin Carroll the only person, or are you the only person that Corbin Carroll has, has told about this? Well, I just am good at my job and, you know, <laughs> figured this out. Sure. But it's not as if, you know, with all due respect to all the other wives and girlfriends out there, like 2022 Miss America, like she's coming off a W. All right. This is that's true. this is a very a very notable person <laughs> to be dating. Yeah. She's no, the a- first ever uh, Miss America winner from Alaska. Oh my
0: gosh. Okay, so does that I guess does Alaska count as Pacific Northwest?
1: I don't know. I guess Alaska is just Alaska. <laughs> so I believe she attends Arizona State right now and that is oh. how I would imagine okay. that is how they met. But there you go. it, it it was like what I was trying to like figure out what are some notable other crossover in interesting things about Corbin Carroll. And it was like, Oh, like let's learn a little bit about a significant other. Oh, she's miss America. <laughs> I think that's a, an, an, an all time example of, Oh yeah, no, he's just good at
0: everything. Duh. Um, it's the like, other oh. thing though, strictly from a, from a baseball standpoint and like what I wrote about for careful Fox today, is just like, you got to cherish these moments, man. Um, what I, I felt bad bringing this up because it's kind of bleak, but I'm just going to say it here because I think it's a totally reasonable observation. Uh, Jake, the last time we saw Mike Trout in October, he was Corbin Carroll's age, okay? Yep. We don't yep. know that Corbin Carroll will ever be in this position ever again. And so he's going to, of course, do his part, and it's uh, I certainly have more faith in the Diamondbacks than the Angels, and I would have said that at the time, and I would have said that. That's fine. But again, like it's just not a guarantee that you get to have this opportunity ever again. And it's easy when we see these young players in the world. Series, so like, this is the beginning of this incredible career where we're always going to talk about this guy. And we're always going to see, him. it's like, maybe I hope so. Right. I, I felt the same way about, you know, Juan Soto. And then it was, it took him getting traded to the Padres in miraculous fashion to get him back into the post. Like there's so many ways that we just don't know how it's going to go. You have to cherish these moments in the postseason. I think he recognizes that.
1: I think about Dan Marino. Oh, you do. Okay. Why, why is that? Because Dan Marino made the Super Bowl on his second season and then never made it again. Yeah. I can't and say I remember like, that. But
0: that's but that's that is a, another good comp. Right. Still considered yeah. one of the greats of all time. And still Corbin Carroll can one still greats. do that just as Mike Trout has been. Right. But yeah. again, like we know how much more weight it kind of carries when you get to do it in this point. And so that's what is is maybe the difference. If he can if you can kind of complete this, it, it really puts him in a different in a different light, which is very exciting.
1: Jordan, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we'll read a couple mailbag questions and thoughts, chat about Madison Bumgarner and Nick Ahmed, and theorize who's going to throw out the first pitch for both of these teams. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, everyone. Producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball cast themed beanie or bucket hat or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball.
1: And welcome back to Baseball BarbaCast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Let's talk about the Mad Dog and the Mad Bum. Let's do it. Uh, we have received
0: some emails uh, about the the 2023 World Series. And we received one from, uh, from Zach. And Zach is emailing us about Madison Bumgarner. Zach says, by the way, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Zach says, hi, Jake and Jordan. longtime listener, listener, Twitterer, first-time caller. As I sit here at 1 a.m. after the Diamondbacks shocked the Phillies in LCS Game 7, I cannot help but ponder Madison Bumgarner sitting at home watching the team that he started the season with get set to face off against this former manager in the World Series. Mad Bum opened the ears The D-backs' number three starter. It was absolutely terrible. He only had four games and allowed 20 runs in 16 innings before Tory bullpen game Lavello said, see ya. Let's say he was magically not DFA'd but had about the same stat line and was 100% healthy and on the Diamondbacks postseason roster. Well, if he had the same stat line, I don't think he would carry a 10 ERA all the way through the season. But anyway, additionally, Torre Lovello has been abducted by aliens and you are tasked with managing the D-backs in the World Series. Does Madison Bumgarner make an appearance for your team? Does he start? Do you attempt to capture the magic of playoff Mad Bum? So I think... Thank you, Zach, for the email. I think what is interesting about this, this premise, like, is there a version... There's a version of the Madison Bumgarner season where he does make it through, I think. Even if he's not great, there's one where he's not so catastrophic that he does manage to stick on the roster. Maybe he gets hurt and then actually helps his chances to like come back at the end and be a part of the team. But the part that's hard to envision is him being like, yeah, I'll just be like the long reliever. That's the part that is very difficult to like get my mind around is him being like, I'll do whatever. Like maybe, maybe he would have. But would we would they have rathered have Madison Bumgarner even of the last few years, not the disastrous version of this, than have a bullpen game? I think probably not. <laughs> I think I think almost certainly not.
1: So I think you got to give him like an inning early. Okay. Where and do it's you like? Yeah. yeah, like early on, you just let him get an inning, and if it looks like twenty fourteen, you give him another inning, and then if it keeps looking good, you give him another inning. And then who knows? Maybe you got a three starter. <laughs> the way I see it is like,
0: I mean, maybe you 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 just use him for for that Seager Carter. We know Carter struggles against lefties. You know, maybe maybe that's where you that's where you deploy him. I would imagine that Corey Seager saw a good amount of Madison. I'm mean, here. I'm actually going to look this up now. What do you think Corey Seager uh, did against Madison bubgartner's career? Because again, that would be there is an opportunity here with a matchup. With the Carter Seeger back to back, where it's like, you know what, this actually might make some sense. I'm looking up his his all time numbers against uh, Madison Bumgarner because otherwise, we can't we can't be doing this. And I don't know if like people, I also don't know the degree to which like Diamondbacks fans. I imagine for a while, like it was not funny how bad Marcus, or how bad Madison Bumgarner was. Right now, it now is. it's like, ha ha! Oh, he was on our team, and now we're in the World Series. Like whatever. I, I imagine that's not the general sentiment, or it wasn't for a long time.
1: Um, yeah. And also he's certainly not fitting with the vibe. (laughs) (laughs) No, No. uh, Corey Seager against Madison Baumgartner
0: in 30 plate appearances hit 276, 300, 414. So, you know, 714 OPS fine. I mean, that's, that's worse than normal Corey Seager. So I don't, I don't hate that matchup. I think that that's totally reasonable. Uh, again, though, I think the real question is here, here's maybe the better question about Madison Baumgartner before we move on. Who's he rooting for? Mm. (laughs) Like, he doesn't owe anything to the Diamondbacks at this point. I mean, they certainly gave him a lot of money, and that was uh, some level of trust in them. But, like, you have to imagine his loyalty to Bruce Bochi is larger than it is to the Diamondbacks. I think so. That would be my guess.
1: That (laughs) would be my guess.
0: Now, Um, Madison Montgomery will not be pitching. But we were also wondering about first pitchers. Now, Jake... They have already announced the first pitches for the Rangers for the first two games of the series. You have not seen them yet. Do you have any uh, any guesses? No. Uh, George Bush, obviously. Come on. Uh, George uh, W. Bush will be throwing out the first pitch. Pudge will be catching it tonight in game one.
1: Okay. Can you imagine if Pudge just like caught George Bush's first pitch and then popped up and threw to second?
0: <laughs> just, uh, and then game two will be Adrian Beltre throwing it out to Fergie Jenkins now this is interesting to me because I was like okay well what do you what's the easiest way to think about who throws the first pitch you just you know as we've seen here you get some of the greatest players in franchise history and I was curious when I pulled up the Rangers you know page on 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 uh, b I was like oh who are their all-time war leaders right b- Beltre and Beltre's Beltre's third and Pudge is first do you know who is second because he will not be throwing out a first pitch <laughs> Not Michael Young. No, Michael Young is is much farther. Juan Gonzalez. It's not Juan Gonzalez, no. Is it Alex Rodriguez? Elvis Andrews is 11th, no. Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez is (laughs) 14th. That's with three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Who is it? Rafael Palmero, who I don't know what his relationship with the organization is, but that's one that is uh, at least wildly interesting. Maybe we'd see no, him for uh, for a game seven. No Josh
1: Hamilton? No
0: Josh Hamilton. I would bet uh, heavily against that one. Here,
1: here's my thought. I think that teams for the first pitch need to do more bits. And you need to understand what your goal is. You're trying to get the crowd riled up in a negative or a positive way. So if I'm the Diamondbacks, I'm having Mad Bum throw out the first pitch to Mad Dog, mm-hmm. and the crowd's just booing. You're just going <laughs> just, nuts up. Yeah, but it's getting the crowd
0: amped, right? Even yeah, dude. It's sort of a negative. It's more, it's like, that. The, the Mad Dog, Mad Bum combo is the ultimate, like, spite. Like, we did right.
1: this in your face, basically. Yes. Rangers, give me Deion Sanders. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Give me T.O. Give me Terrell Owens. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. I just want people who elicit strong emotions mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. region. Full stop. That's yeah. it. That's all I'm looking for. Sure. I want passion in any direction. So the Diamondbacks are an
0: interesting one because obviously it's a much shorter history. And in terms of, you know, I look at their all-time war it's like, okay, Randy Johnson. Duh. Yep. Paul Goldschmidt, don't think he's going to go for the first pitch. Brandon Webb, I w- would not be, I he's on the, he's also on the broadcast, like, is that Luis Gonzalez feels like a layup, I would imagine that's gonna happen. Kurt Schilling, imagine not getting the invite would be my guess, and then, you know, who's sixth? Ketel Marte, <laughs> so, so, like, again, we're talking about a pretty, and then seventh is AJ Pollock, so it's, like, a very short, you know, list, short history, so I'm excited, you know, you could, guess you could do, like, Tony Womack, right, like, there's- Bob but yeah, again, well, he's he's uh, he's the broadcaster, right? So you think there's there's versions that we could do. Why can't we have Tory do it? <laughs> I mean, again. Get the again, active if, manager to do it. If you want to fire up the crowd. And then the other one that comes to mind is Nick Ahmed, right? Nick Ahmed, who was the longest tenure D-back coming into the year, had been with them for 10 seasons before being DFA during the season because the 53 OPS Plus finally wasn't cutting it for a team that wanted to win. But Nick Ahmed, man, like he's the guy, like, I don't know if he's didn't end up on another team this year. Like, does he, that would be kind of cool, but it's also kind of like, you're almost forcing him into retirement by having him throw out the first pitch. And he might not be ready for that.
1: He's 33. So that seems a little disrespectful. What about, oh, I just had a brain fart. What about (laughs) Durant? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. I don't know what the, what the current sun schedule is, but I imagine that would get some people fired up.
1: What about Baxter, the mascot? A lot of Baxter discourse. How you're... much would you have to pay? Here's, here's one. Here's one. What gets Diamondbacks fans riled up? The Dodgers. What if you got Clayton Kershaw to do it?
0: How much would you have to pay Clayton Kershaw to do that? I mean, come on. <laughs> 50 mil, probably. More than whatever he's getting next year. So that can you can imagine
1: if he was like throwing out the first pitch? the Dodgers game one starter who enabled this run. Oh man. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw. Oh
0: no. I can't. We can't do that. Um anyway, uh let's 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 spin this forward to one. Oh, you have, you have another first pitch thought.
1: Well, we have an incredible email. Uh I would like to note. Ready? Well, let's do it. This is from Levi. Levi says, "Hello Jake and Jordan. I would love to have your speculation on what would need to happen for Jose Herrera to win the World Series MVP, as one voter predicted in the MLB.com poll. Jose Herrera is the backup catcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He does not play. Like He just—he
0: hasn't play. appeared yet, right? He has not appeared uh, once in this postseason because Gabby Moreno has been such a star. And, you know, even with the kind of few scares to Gabby Moreno, we have not seen Jose Herrera uh, appear in the postseason. No, he did play in 41 games um during the regular season uh oh i guess no yes he has appeared for forgive me he did not appear in the in the nlcs but he did receive four plate appearances that is kind of shocking although i guess probably in the blowouts they wanted to get uh, moreno off his feet um what would have to happen so he got a vote (laughs) you're showing me he got a vote Uh, a lot of players getting at least one vote so what let's let's construct the narrative so unfortunately like this legitimately requires moreno to get injured right so that's the first thing um, yep. so I hate that. So I'm I, that's I'm already not enjoying this premise. But let's 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 get real wacky. All right, let's say Moreno doesn't get injured. How how the hell does this happen? I think it's probably multiple extra innings walk-off hits. I think that's mm. or extra innings like go ahead hits where he just comes off the bench, Lavella's emptied the bench, we wanna bring in a lefty against Josh Spor- or No, not Josh Sporth. It's the extra. So, like, we want to bring in a lefty to face. I don't even know who what right-hander you'd be bringing at this point. Or someone in the late. And he, he wins it. And somehow the rest of the series is so... That's why we take multiple. We take multiple game-winning hits, I think.
1: Yeah. It would it, be more of a quality than a quantity situation. <laughs> like,
0: he's two for two with two walk-off hits or two game-winning RBIs. That's, yeah. I think, his best chance that doesn't involve a Moreno injury. Um, so, yeah.
1: So let's talk about this now, Jordan. Let's pick our World Series MVPs. Let's mm-hmm. make our predictions. Mm-hmm. Where are you at? I am riding with the Snakes.
0: I wanted to pick yeah. them in the CS. Didn't have the didn't have Stones to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm just going to pick them. I'm going Snakes in seven. I think they pull it off. I think it's going to be messy. I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff we're not predicting I am a little, there's definitely a part of me that's like, oh, this Rangers offense is just impossible. They're just going to bludgeon them. There's just going to be a total, total runaway show Uh, like we, but, but then I think about what happened in in game two in the NLCS. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe they can survive one of those games. So that's why I'm just, I'm just riding with the snakes. This is, this is as strong of a team of destiny feeling I've seen in in quite some
1: time. Snakes and five. I've been bit. (laughs) Okay, my leg has been chomped. I think the snakes split here and they don't lose it. Chase. I think Arizona has a big advantage in games three and four. Mm Yeah. As they proved in the last round, they won game three with Brandon Fott. They won game four with the bullpen carousel. They needed a little help from Craig Kimbrell. I'm aware, but it's not as if the Rangers have, you know, peak uh, Lee Smith back there or anything. I, sure I whereas the Rangers in games three and four have a rickety Max Scherzer and the heen dog Dane Dunning combo, mm-hmm. which got blasted in the ALCS against Houston. And so I think if they take those two games, Zach Gallen in game five with a chance to to do the thing, I think mm. they take it in five. That's mm. my prediction.
0: Wow. Uh, and yeah, Carole, I mean, the Rangers have been Corbin the most
1: dominant team. So, what, yeah. you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't Corbin, be shocking. Corby Carroll, World Series MVP. I think he's just going to get hot and keep it going. uh, (laughs) Not Jose Herrera. Just be famous. mm, He's second for me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, And
0: then if the D-backs win, uh, Evan Longoria winning a World Series would be ridiculously cool. Every World Series has at least a handful of late 30s veterans who have never won. For Longoria to go 15 years between uh, World Series appearances, which is the longest a hitter has ever gone. I think He's the fourth player ever, but the first hitter. 15 years between World Series appearances. And that is really cool. And if he can do it, I know he hasn't. And if he can even have one moment, one RBI single, right? He has not been good. He knows it. He was joking in the champagne celebration. He's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I didn't do anything, right? But ultimately, he is still playing an important role, as we all know. And to see him, uh, another guy who's had just a wild career like Tommy Pham, we talked about him a little bit more in the last episode, to see them win would be really special. But as we always say with these World Series, just starting to, to envision these guys lifting the trophy is really, really, really cool. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what happens. So we're going to cut it off here. Um, as we've mentioned, like a lot of Pobo manager GM news. I mean, again, there's probably 20 minutes we could go about Pierce Johnson, but we're just going to save it. There is a long off season ahead of us, folks, and so we're going to keep the focus on the postseason here. We'll eventually catch up on all the manager um, stuff. Of course, Dusty deserves more discussion. There's all, all kinds of stuff uh, for sure. But we're keeping the focus on the postseason for now. We'll get to all that in due time. And uh, I believe we'll be back tomorrow because we're we're gonna keep this podcast rolling. Last thing, Jake, new merch available. Most Indeed. notably, a very comfortable beanie. Barbacast Beanie. Now available, podswag.com/slash baseball. We got new merch. We got bucket hats, we got beanies, we got new t-shirts, designs we're really excited about. So go check those out if you want to uh, you know, support us and and, and let us know. Show, show us uh, your your Barbacast merch. We appreciate it. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Thank you, Jake, for recording this with me. Thank you, Chris Tyler, as always, for producing. And we will be back on Saturday morning to recap game one of the World Series between, I'm sorry, am I seeing this right? The Arizona Diamondbacks? Yeah, that's and correct. The Texas and the Texas Rangers. Rangers the Rangers, okay. yep. All right, well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. All right. Goodbye. Everyone enjoy
1: it. Sirius XM Podcasts.